Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be making a slight departure from our typical topics on leading and running a business, and instead, we're going to talk about retirement. With me today is Eric Brotman. In addition to being CEO of BFG Financial Advisors, Eric is a mentor and host of the podcast, Don't Retire, Graduate, where he's on a mission to help families and professionals not only achieve financial freedom, but advance into retirement seamlessly. He's the author of several books on personal finance, and his advice has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes.com, Yahoo Finance, and numerous other publications. Welcome, Eric. It's great to have you here with me today. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. I'd like to start us off by saying I really like the name of your podcast, Don't Retire, Graduate, and not only because I work at a university. What can you tell us about the meaning behind graduating into retirement? I think the meaning behind it is that retirement shouldn't be the end of anything. It should be the beginning of something. So, you know, when you think about graduation from, from university, yes, it's the end of your undergraduate or graduate experience, but it's the beginning of the next chapter of your life. It's something to look forward to. It's something to move towards. And for some reason, we've allowed retirement to become like the great retreat, the great disappearing act. And we go from being busy, engaged, 40, 50, 60 hour a week entrepreneurs or, or executives or, or working people to suddenly putting our Rolodex away. And I know I'm dating myself with that, but putting our contacts away and playing shuffleboard and golf and, and watching daytime TV. And I think that's a fate worse than death. Yeah, we talk about change a lot in our uh, programs, and, and that's a huge change from day to day activities. So what in your experience would you say is the difference between somebody who has retired successfully and somebody who hasn't? Two ways to answer that. The first is the most obvious, the quantitative, the financial. Are you financially independent or not? If you've reached financial independence, work is now optional. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a a reason to get out of bed every morning, that you shouldn't make sure that you're thriving. So I actually think the people who retire successfully retire more than just financially successfully, they actually do graduate into a a phase of their lives where they're doing something purposeful, something meaningful, something that gives them pleasure. It might be volunteering. It might be, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show that you're departing from sort of owning and running a successful business to this concept of retirement. I actually think a lot of people when they retire do start a business, they start a consulting practice, or they start doing some teaching, or they start something new. And so I'm not sure they're mutually exclusive. I happen to think that retiring is the absence of needing to work, not the absence of work itself. And that, you know, for folks who are in their 70s and 80s and are at the top of their game and have the most robust network of, uh, of other amazing humans and who have the most experience can be the most useful. I, I don't understand why our culture likes to put seniors out to pasture, whereas in every other culture, the seniors get the biggest tent and you go to them with the biggest problems. I've wondered that myself. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, sometimes it can be a little scary that culture does tend to put people out to pasture. As you said, I like the aspect of work being optional and trying to find something that's purposeful and meaningful as you transition and graduate uh, into retirement and starting something new or not being afraid to start something new. So as you're thinking about transitioning to retirement and and planning this out, what, uh, in your opinion, would be somebody's best mindset or approach uh, to planning this out? I think the first approach is to start early. Don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I've had it. I'm financially independent and I'm giving my two weeks notice. 
because unfortunately that doesn't allow you to to do this as a transition. It's sort of a thud. It's like slowing a car versus hitting a brick wall. Uh, better to slow the car. So I believe that there are questions you have to answer um, that we all have to answer about what we want to do. And the first one, and Mike, I'll put you on the spot and ask you something you haven't been asked since you were seven years old, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a good question. There's, there's a lot of things I want to do, right? And I've spent most of my career around helping others learn and, and develop uh, and such. And, and I'd like to do that more and, and maybe in some different capacities than I do right now. Okay. But what do you want to be? See, you you fell into the trap and I, I did put you, I teed this up for you, but you fell into the trap that a lot of us fall into, which is we believe that we are what we do. And when someone says, tell me about yourself, what are you all about? The first thing someone's going to say is I'm an accountant. I'm an architect. I'm a banker. No, you're not. You're a husband and a, a father and a friend and a coach and a mentor. And oh, by the way, you do accounting. I've never understood why we allow our identity to be so wrapped up in, in what we do instead of who we are, because then when you're no longer doing it, you've lost your identity. So when you grow up, what do you want to be? Think about it. I know that I stopped being asked that when I was a kid. And at that time, I was going to play for the Baltimore Colts in the NFL. That turned out not to be a, an appropriate dream because I was small and slow. And then, you know, you add to that and other people want to be astronauts or ballerinas or president of the United States. And at the end of the day, there's only so many openings for those roles. So when you think about it as an adult, what do you want to be? Maybe it's that you want to be impactful. Maybe that it, it is that you want to mentor and coach and teach and uh, and change the world. Even if it's in a small, small, seemingly immaterial way, you can change the world. And I think it's the best conceivable ending to a life well-lived. Couldn't agree more. That's a point well taken. So I know you have a, uh, you know, when you talk about planning for retirement and planning uh, early, right, as early as possible, you use the academic vernacular of freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year as uh, some guideposts along the way. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, freshman year of your financial life is where you're making sometimes some of the biggest decisions you make before you're necessarily mature enough to handle them, like student loan decisions. I mean, we allow we allow young people to borrow $200,000 for school when they're, they're not old enough to buy a Budweiser. Uh, and, and to me, it's a little bit strange to give that kind of control to somebody who really doesn't know what they're signing up for. Um, but freshman year is is student loan decisions. It's it's where to go to, to university or, or whether you're going to grad school. It's getting your first job. It's figuring out your employee benefits for the first time, which I remember being 21 years old and being handed this pack of stuff with the missive that I need this back by Friday. And I didn't know what in the heck I was looking at. So I, I think that's those are the freshman year type decisions. Now, in your sophomore year, now you're making some, some other types of life decisions. It might be where to live. Are you buying your first home? It might be, are you, um, are you in, a, in a relationship that's going to be uh, resulting in marriage or children or um, some other life decisions? And so you start making the big decisions and you have to really think about how they're going to impact you. And so all of those firsts become very big milestones in our lives. And to me, that's sophomore year. You're kind of picking your major. By junior year, now you're, you're at the top of your game, but now you have to realize that you have to build wealth. 
I mean, now's the time. Junior year is where you're in your high earning years. It's where you have your most significant income tax issues to think about. It's where you might be sandwiched between aging parents and kids to educate and figuring out how you're going to manage all your, all your financial decisions. It's learning how to build an investment portfolio and take care of, uh, of yourself financially. And so junior year is important from that standpoint. And then as, as we get into senior year, to me, senior year is the most rewarding, the most fun, but also the most difficult because it's figuring out not just what your estate plan is going to look like and what is, where, who's going to get your stuff. It's really never about stuff. It's what legacy do you want to leave behind? It's how do you want to impact the world? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to leave behind for your family, loved ones, friends that's more important than money? What are the visions, the values, the stories, the, uh, the history? And how do you capture that in a way that's, that really is immortality? I mean, I know a lot of people like to slap their name on a building, but I walked around campus and I knew the name of every building, but I didn't know who those people were. So to me, it, it didn't mean as much to me as what about a scholarship with your name on it? What about the ways that philanthropy can change lives year after year after year? And you can be remembered in that way. So to me, that's more impactful. And so that's your senior year. Yeah, like, uh, you know, talking about how you can make an impact and it doesn't always have to be your name on something, right? How do you interact with other people and they're going to carry uh, your legacy forward and help build that legacy as, as well? I also wanted to call out too, I, I appreciate you talking about your freshman year and taking out loans. Uh, you know, school's gotten so expensive these days and life in general has gotten very expensive too. So how do you think more long-term about financial decisions am I making and what are the benefits of those? And, you know, we work with that with our kids and uh, uh, personally, and um, especially with benefits, I, I kind of had a little smile on my face when you were talking about that with uh, my youngest just started working and uh, trying to go through some of the benefit decisions with him and trying to educate him a little bit on that as a former HR person. So if you are now in your senior year, for example, or maybe you're late in your junior year and you find yourself behind when it comes to planning for uh, how you're going to graduate into retirement, uh, what advice do you have? Well, I, th I think first, don't beat yourself up. We, you can't do anything to change what's already happened, whether it was uh, poor planning, whether it was bad luck, whether it was bad timing. I mean, there's lots of reasons. Um, sometimes it's just because life happens. It could be a medical issue. It could be a job loss. It could be an injury. Lots of things. There's lots of reasons. And that's not to absolve us of blame if we fail to save. It is to say that just about everyone thinks they're behind whether they are or not. There's an incredible anxiety that comes with the end of your working years, because as a working person, if you suddenly need more money, you can go make more money. You can take a side hustle. You can take a second job. You can take an extra project. You can do some consulting. You can almost always find a way to make more money. And when you're not engaged in the workforce in the same way, it doesn't feel as plentiful. The, the feelings of abundance tend to wane and become um, a little bit more of a feeling towards scarcity. So I think if you're, if you're feeling behind, first of all, don't beat yourself up. Second of all, start to manage some expectations, figure out what this is going to look like. Maybe you're not retiring at 58 on a yacht in the Mediterranean. Maybe you're going from two jobs to one when you're 67. <laughs> Or maybe you're downsizing your home, or maybe you're making decisions about where you're going to live or how you're going to live that will make your life less expensive. Maybe it means strategies. I mean, work with a financial advisor at that point. That, those 10 years before retirement, 
it's been called all kinds of catchy things in marketing messages, but the reality is it is arguably the critical time because that's where you have to make sure that you are ready for the, the, the biggest financial change of your life. And it's not just the idea that abundance feels like it goes away. It's also that you've been investing since you got your first paycheck and made your first 401k contribution, or you made, or you put away money mowing lawns when you were 14, whatever it was, you've been growing money and building the accumulation, you know, the mountain chart, put away X dollars for Y years at Z percent and voila, look what you have. But when you're ready to start converting the nest egg, the mountain into income, it's a completely different skill set, and it's something people have never been trained to do because you only really do it once. So how do you figure out how I take my IRA and my 401k and my stock options and my cash and my life insurance and all my different stuff, my real estate, whatever it is, how do I convert that into passive and or repeatable income that I'm not going to outlive without scaring myself because no one wants to spend the principal. And it's, it's interesting because, Mike, people spend their entire lives getting tax deductions for retirement plan contributions and then don't want to touch the plan because they don't want to pay taxes. It's your money. You better use it. Figure out a way to use it in a tax-favored way, but it's your money. Don't die with it and leave it to the next generation to pay the taxes. Sure, yeah. Use it to fund you know, what you're going to do when you grow up, right? Or, and fund some fun at the same time. Yes, which, which by the way, when I say grow up, I do not mean mature. I, I tell my 12-year-old daughter that adulting is a trap and she should avoid doing it at all costs. So I'm, I'm not talking about being mature. I'm just talking about having uh, something to look forward to in the future that's it's up, whatever up is. That's uh, a great clarification. And yeah, I, I would agree. There's a, definitely a lot of fear out there of the unknown. And, you know, is my nest egg big enough? And my financially secure so I can retire. So managing expectations and uh, yeah, getting a financial advisor, I think is, is some great advice. So thank you. Uh, switching gears just a little bit here uh, with the podcast being centered around leadership and the role of the leader in different aspects of business. What responsibility do leaders have in regards to their direct reports and others around them when it comes to planning for graduating into retirement? I think first you can lead by example. And you can practice what you preach. If, if you're telling people to be financially savvy and then you show up in a Lamborghini, you're probably not sending the right message. And that's kind of an extreme example, but you get my point. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think it's important to empower people. And so we've been working with, uh, with companies, our firm, we've been working with companies to create a, a, a financial wellness program that helps with uh, when you talk about your direct reports, it helps them get their ducks in a row, cross T's and dot I's and make sure they're okay financially. Because I don't know about you, but to me, money's a little bit like oxygen. When you have enough, you don't think about it. When you don't have enough, it's all you think about. So if you have direct reports who are struggling financially, struggling with money, that's what they're going to be thinking about instead of their day job they're going to be wondering how rent's going to get paid or what they're going to do about braces for their kid. I think it's really important to empower them, to uh, enable them and to educate them so that they have the ability to make good decisions. And then you lead by example and follow your own advice. And so that's what we've been able to build so that employees who might not otherwise either need or uh, afford financial advice, a financial advisor can get access to some of that. And the company typically pays for it. It's very inexpensive, but it's so impactful to your workforce and you'll wind up with better productivity. 
That's a great point. You know, if people are not worried about, you know, where the next paycheck is going to come from or how they're going to put food on the table, that does free up their mind a little bit to work on the business and to, you know, deal with the problems of the, of the day that the organization's having and trying to have a strong connection to manager, as I like to talk about it. So you can get to the level where you can talk and see if their concerns are, whether it be financial or something else, uh, so they can be productive when they are uh, working uh, with the team here at the office. In keeping with the academic theme you've created, before we wrap up this episode, is there any final advice or, or maybe some extra credit homework for our listeners to do today to get them further along their preparation for well, graduating? Extra credit is something I'm fond of. No one likes homework, so we never assign any. But extra credit, everyone should do. Uh, and so my extra credit assignment is is the simplest there is. And, and we actually end every episode of our podcast by asking our guests for the extra credit assignment. And if people do just that one thing, it tends to be impactful. So my extra credit assignment to everyone listening is don't wait. It's the simplest thing in the world. If you have a financial plan, make sure you're using it, make sure you're following it, make sure you understand it. You should understand your financial plan well enough to articulate it. It doesn't mean you have to suddenly be a bean counter. It does mean you should understand not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it. If you don't have a financial plan, get one. Get one, whether you do it yourself, whether you use software, whether you use a, a, a yellow pad, or whether you hire a professional at some point, if you don't write goals down, they're just ideas. And if you put, just like any other professional goal, if, if you reduce your goals to writing, you are far more likely to reach for them. You're far more likely to hit them. And financial goals are one of the types of goals where that's appropriate and it makes a difference. So I would say, don't, don't wait. If you wait, it, it's kind of like kids. If you wait to have kids so you can afford them, there'd be no procreation. None of us can afford children. So it, it's, in this case, it's don't wait until the next major life event. Don't wait until a tragedy or, a, a, or, or what have you. Don't wait until you're under duress. Do it right away. Makes total sense. Yeah, a lot of research does has, has been done and shows if you write your goals down and even if you get to the point where you're sharing them, and actively working on them, you have a much better chance of achieving those goals and, and being successful with them. Sure. On behalf of our audience, you know, thank you so much for spending time today to talk about how we should be framing our approach to retirement and how, you know, how early we should be getting started. If you're interested in more from Eric, please go to brotmanmedia.com and consider picking up a copy of Don't Retire, Graduate, Building a Path to Financial Freedom and Retirement at Any Age. I've included a link to Eric's site in the description of this episode for easy access. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.